Pathways to Germany. My name is Brian Tranneman. I am the director of the DAD Information Centre in Malaysia. And with me, like last week and all the weeks before, is uh, Inside Idros, our senior consultant at the Information Centre in Malaysia. It's you are an alumnus um, who studied at the University of Applied Sciences in Offenburg, where you decided uh, to go for process and environmental engineering. Um, studies and uh, you survived Germany successfully and uh, have returned afterwards after you um, started your, your first career in Germany and but decided then to come back uh, because I think you told me the, uh, in one of our previous episodes that your father called you back because you're, you're the oldest son and he wanted to have you close by. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. given a chance, I think I would have stayed a little bit longer in Germany and gotten my PR at least. Okay, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, that, that would have been a great opportunity. But I mean, it's, it's never too late. You can, uh, as an engineer, you still have a lot of opportunities to still um, go back to Germany and, and uh, start a career there. Um, in Germany, we still have uh, a strong demand for a skilled workforce. So this career option remains open to you. But I, of course, I hope that you stay with us at the Information <laughs> Center because you are a true asset to um, our um, organization. Uh, given all the um, all the experiences that you have and the huge expertise first of all uh, being alumnus from from Germany and then also um, having conducted uh, so many consultations since you joined uh, the DAD information center here in Malaysia in 2018 okay oh, thank you for the kind words Brian oh you're most welcome <laughs> could you could you briefly explain to our um, uh, listeners who may be joining us uh, today for the first time what the DAD is all right, so the DAAD is a Deutsche Akademische Austauschdienst, uh, but in English it makes uh, it's a lot easier to pronounce. So it's the German Academic Exchange Service, and our job is really uh, just to provide as much free information to potential students as possible. Uh, and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, uh, we we're a non-profit, non-governmental organization, so we have absolutely no bias in our information giving whatsoever. Mm, absolutely correct. And um, I think it's also important uh, to mention at this point that uh, our entire um, consultation that we're offering is uh, for free. So we don't charge anyone who uh, would like to find out more about studying research in, in Germany. And we're doing it entirely for uh, for the sake of promoting study and research in Germany and building bridges uh, between um, the two uh, countries, Malaysia and, and Germany. And uh, we're not only doing this here in Malaysia, but uh, we have uh, around uh, 50 information centers around the world. So um, our information center here in Malaysia is one of these these many um, information centers that the DAD is having uh, outside of Germany in order to um, uh, to have a strong network um, um, around the world. And in addition to this, um, um, the DAD is also um, sending German lecturers in uh, various countries in almost all the countries around the world. Mm -hmm. We have more than uh, um, 500 DAAD lecturers um, who are teaching German as a foreign language and then also promoting um, study and research in Germany as well. But uh, Malaysia is fortunate actually to also have an information center. Uh, this is uh, not the case in, in all the countries. Okay. Very true, yeah. So our uh, podcast, uh, it's what it's all about. It's pretty much about talking about uh, how to get to Germany as a student and also once you get to Germany, what happens uh, to you. So as an international student, once you get over to Germany, especially if you're Malaysian or if you're a student in Malaysia, what the next steps are. So very much from uh, the very beginning, from applying to the university all the way up to actually studying in Germany, uh, we will provide you and guide you along the way. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. good. Um, and uh, the, the concept of our podcast is actually that we talk a little bit about um, uh, uh, Germany in, in general. And we think it's uh, interesting um, for, for anyone who's interested uh, in, in pursuing a degree in Germany or who would like to do actually a, a PhD or postdoc. Um, but uh, we consider it also to be interesting actually for, for those who um, may be pursuing a professional career in Germany. As I mentioned, uh, the demand for a skilled workforce is uh, very high in Germany. So there are also many opportunities for professionals to to go to Germany um, and, and start a career 
there over there because we are um, also addressing um, a lot of cultural issues and what it means uh, to, to go to Germany as a Malaysian and uh, what it entails actually to go there for, for the first time. So it doesn't really matter whether it's as a student uh, or as a professional, but of course, as um, a student, um, you can talk from your own experience firsthand. And this is going to be the topic uh, that we are having today is um, how to make it in Germany. Um, in the previous episodes, we discussed uh, why education is free in Germany, why to study in Germany, how to make it to Germany and how to find um, the right study course and the right university place, um, the right city for yourself. And uh, in the last episode, we discussed how much uh, it cost. So if you missed any of these episodes, uh, feel free um, to listen to those as well, because we, I think we um, provide useful information. Um, in the previous episodes, we recorded. The topic of today is um, going to be how to make it in Germany and um, everything that uh, comes along with it when you have successfully applied for your visa and it has been issued to you, you booked your flight and then you arrive in Germany. Maybe it's, uh, could you describe um, to our dear listeners um, how the first days arriving in Germany were for you, what it meant and how you organized yourself in terms of arriving there and um, getting started and establishing your, your daily live in, in, in Germany. Okay, well, first of all, uh, for most Malaysian students, you'll probably be landing at the Frankfurt International Airport. Uh, so once you land over there, it's a really big airport. It's a lot bigger compared to uh, KLIA. So it might be a, a bit of a culture shock already. And assuming that you're going to be landing most likely in uh, for the winter semester, that's going to be sometime in September or October. So you can already imagine that the temperature drop is going to be pretty huge. Uh, so September and October in Malaysia, it's coming after the drought season, usually when the haze is about to start here in Malaysia. So that's probably going to be around like 30, 35 degrees Celsius. It's really hot here in Malaysia. And the moment you land in Frankfurt, it's going to drop down to, oh God, it's going to drop down to something like about 10 degrees, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. So you have to pay and you have to make sure that you're wearing the right clothing. So what a lot of uh, Malaysian students do is um, uh, for the carry on luggage, they already have their sweaters and also their uh, their long, uh, long johns already packed inside. So you can just change inside the either in the airport or you can already change inside the airplane. Mm. Um, so that's the first thing that you notice. And then once you actually get out of the airport, what you'll know is that uh, the train station is actually connected directly to the airport. It's a bit of the walk from the airport terminal to the train stations, but everything is clearly written and everything is uh, clearly like signs everywhere pointing you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. um, and if you plan up even beforehand, you can actually buy something called a rail and fly ticket. So you get your plane ticket uh, and also this open-ended train ticket to whatever destination you want in Germany. Uh, so that's actually a really good idea because that way, you, you know, no matter what time you land, if there's any delays or whatever, uh, you're guaranteed a spot on the train. Yeah, um, I think that that's a very good advice actually to to already plan a little bit ahead and um, see what kind of train connections um, you have in general. Um, but um, independent of the, your destination, uh, whether it's going to be I don't know in Munich or um, in in Hamburg or in Berlin um, or in the West anywhere, um, you will always find plenty of of connections actually. And uh, of course, you can also book your train ticket uh, straight there at the train station um, and. Um, uh, the staff they will all speak English so that uh, shouldn't be too much of a problem um, if you um are brave enough you can also try to to uh, um, uh, buy your um, train ticket actually through uh, one of uh, the uh, terminals um, but that requires a little bit of skill I don't know how, how you found <laughs> it it's not too user friendly I have to admit so, so it might be uh, more advisable just to go to one of the counters and and uh, purchase your um, train ticket over there because they can really advise you when's the next uh, best option for you to get to your destination that's very true, Brian. Mm. And uh, once you get your train ticket and you go down to the terminals, uh, you'll probably be taking an, uh, the ICE train. So that's one of the faster trains in Europe. Mm. Uh, and they go up to like about 300 over kilometers per hour. So you get to your destination quite quickly. Um, and then once you actually get to your university city, 
I would recommend that the first thing that you do would be to go off to the international office of the university, mm-hmm. assuming that you'll be landing on a weekday. Uh, because if it's the weekend, they tend not to be open, especially on Sundays, where almost everything in Germany is going to be closed. Uh, so if you land there on a weekday, then you go off to the international office of your university and you ask them about the student accommodations. Mm-hmm. And once again, if you've planned up early enough, uh, you would have contacted the international office of that university and asked them about any uh, potential housing which they have open for international students. Mm. Of course, it would be advisable actually to to try to get accommodation already in advance, um, then uh, so that you can uh, pick up your uh, your keys and go straight to your room, of course. But um, alternatively to this, uh, you can also um, try um, Airbnb um, for your first couple of days um, uh, in order to uh, to look for accommodation and then uh, get settled. But going to the international office uh, in your first uh, few days is um, highly advisable. How was was your arrival in, in Offenburg? Well, I was quite lucky because my best friend actually picked me up from the airport. Mm. Uh, so we went down to, to Offenburg by train. And once we got off at the university, uh, he took me over to the international office. Mm. And once we got to the international office, uh, I met up with the person in charge And I picked up my keys, signed off uh, on all of the agreements that needed to be signed. And then uh, I went straight over to my room. So I was quite lucky there that uh, I had already some support in place. Mm, Beautiful. And Mm. uh, I had the room already ready. Oh, yes. So I just had to unpack inside the room and that was pretty much it uh-huh yeah of course that, that that's the ideal situation actually if you already have someone um, um uh, some of your seniors you already reached out to uh, to can really help you out in in the first couple of days because that can be um a really daunting time where you're so lost in in everything maybe for some of you um it's going to be the first time abroad um maybe it's the first time actually to travel this this far distance without your parents so um trying to reach out to um, uh, your fellow citizens who are already studying over there uh, might be advisable. And for Malaysians, we have we have an alumni association. Uh, sorry, a student association also in Germany. Um, I, I forgot now what, what, what's the name, uh, but they are available actually on Facebook if you if you look out. Uh, if you um, try to, to find them. Um, so that uh, is, I think, a good opportunity for you to reach out and uh, um, see whether there's anyone in your sp- um, specific city uh, to, to get in touch with and uh, to help you out in the first couple of days. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, very true. Um, so then once you get that, uh, once you get your accommodation settled, actually, even here in Malaysia, we talked about it last week a little bit about the finding of the right accommodation. Uh, mm-hmm. And even on our website right now, which is uh, daad-malaysia.org, you can actually find uh, a fantastic uh, tool which the DAAD has set up to help find student accommodations in the various cities in Germany. Mm, exactly. Yes, we have included this in our website because um, accommodation, and this needs to be highlighted whenever we discuss this, is something completely different compared to here in, in Malaysia. While you can find accommodation here easily, um, you can choose actually uh, so many um, different types of apartments uh, in one day if you want to. Uh, within uh, coming straight from the airport, if you if you find an agent, um, he or she can show you around, and then you can uh, make a decision straight uh, on that uh, on that day. Um, but the situation in Germany is completely different because uh, um, uh, property um, or the um, uh, the property market is not as fast developing compared to here in Malaysia because there are much more um, regulations in place and it takes more time and um, so um, accommodation is something quite scarce in in Germany with 83 million people living on the same territory like here in Malaysia um, uh, with uh, the peninsula and Sarawak and Sabah um, uh, I I would say, I mean you have so much vacancy in in all these high-rise condominiums for instance and in Germany, we are not too keen about high-rise buildings, and therefore uh, we have uh, a huge demand actually for accommodation. And um, so, as a student going to Germany for the first time, it's um, uh, advisable actually to first get settled in a in a student residence hall. 
Very true, yeah. Mm. And, and why is it is it important actually to um, to get uh, to get accommodation uh, and a proper address? It's okay. That's a very good question, Brian. Uh, so once uh, you actually land uh, and once you've settled yourself inside your city, uh, one of the first things that you have to do within the first month is uh, actually you need to sign up for uh, sign up in the city which you're living in. Um, so this is actually called the Auslandsbehörde or the foreign office uh, in your city. Uh, so each city or even every small town uh, that you have in Germany, they have something called the Auslandsbehörde. And you have to go there and you have to register with, uh, register with them saying that you're living in their city. And they are the ones that will actually give you your uh, long-term visitor's pass. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you, so, you need to be mm -hmm. registered with, with uh, an address, actually, that they always know exactly where you are, correct? Exactly. So it's very different to here in Malaysia where, you know, you have your IC, but it's very seldom that you'll change your address on your IC unless, you know, you want special perks from that particular state. Whereas in Germany, every single time that you move uh, to a different address, you need to actually inform the authorities so they know how to contact you. Mm -hmm. Uh, so this is one of the things why they have that uh, Auslandsbehörde mm. uh, or the foreign office in Germany. And uh, so you, the first thing that you have to do is you need to make sure that you have a valid insurance for Germany. So you have to have valid health insurance. Uh, the second thing that you need is you need to be matriculated into the German university. And once you've got that uh, matri matriculations uh or proof of matriculation, uh, and also once you have your accommodation settled and you have the um, tenancy agreement with you, then you take along all of those documents and you go off to the Auslandsbehörde mm -hmm. and they are the ones that will actually help you out uh, to give you your long-term uh, residence pass. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, I, I just need to highlight at this point, uh, um, this, this rule to, um, to get registered um, uh, with your um, address is not applicable to foreigners only who, who study in, in, in Germany uh, or to foreigners. So uh, we are not a, a police state trying to, to uh, control <laughs> only the foreigners. It's uh, the same rule that also applies to, to any German. So um, if you live somewhere, uh, the first thing you need to do is go to the Einwohnermeldeamt, it's called, uh, um, so not uh, um, uh, the, um, uh, the Ausländerbehörde, as you just mentioned, um, but also uh, for the Germans, actually, Einwohnermeldeamt. And uh, even when you when you move within the city and just change a couple, couple of meters through the next street to, to another apartment, you still need to go there and give them uh, your new address. So that's that's applicable for anyone living in, in Germany. And this is uh, <laughs> so how the German state um, ensures that uh, enforcement uh, is... Uh, uh, is possible because as long as you don't know actually whether people are uh, uh, at a certain time you can't send them uh, letters uh, asking them actually to pay their their fees um, <laughs> and uh, their fines as well so if you if you're caught speeding um, then uh, they know exactly actually where to send uh, your your uh, letter uh, to um, which states how much you have to uh, pay for your uh, traffic violation Okay. Exactly. Uh, also, mm -hmm. one of the things, oh, sorry, I just wanted to add there. Uh, so one of the reasons why you should also get your uh, long-term social visitors pass or long-term uh, residency permit in Germany is because nowadays it's no longer, uh, well, it is, uh, they, they do stick a piece of paper into your passport. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, they actually give you this uh, biometric card. Mm -hmm. uh, so in Germany, it's actually compulsory to have a piece of um, identification on you at all times. Mm -hmm. Uh, so for Germans, it's either your uh, IC or it's your uh, driver's license. Mm -hmm. And for Malaysian students who has just arrived in Germany, of course, you do not have a German uh, IC and you also don't have a German driver's license yet. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's good to take along that uh, biometric pass, which the... Uh, Auslandsbehörde will give to you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. And it's uh, same like here in Malaysia. You, you, as a foreigner, you're obliged actually to uh, identify yourself when when uh, when you um, are in a situation actually to be stopped actually in traffic for something like this. Um, but this is also, once again, not only applicable to, to foreigners, but also to Germans. Um, you always need to have your ID card on your uh, uh, on yourself actually when, when going outside. And uh, that's something absolutely natural for, for anyone living in uh, um, in Germany. 
Okay, so, um, and then um, the semester is about to start, most likely. Um, the, the Foreign Office will organize um, some information um, events for, for the new arriving international students. Um, and then how do you go about actually for, for the first couple of weeks during your semester? What was your experience? It's Okay, so usually during the first few days um yeah they will have the grand ceremony where all of the new students are invited usually to a massive hall i'm not too sure how it is now after corona but hopefully <laughs> we'll get back to that state uh and then the deans of the respective departments will give a speech and also the rector mm. uh, will also give a speech welcoming the new students um and uh even sometimes even for my small town uh, so offenburg is relatively small i think there's only about Uh, 50,000 people living inside that city. Mm. And uh, even the mayor will drop by and also give a welcoming speech to everybody. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, th th this is um, uh, the perfect opportunity for us now to, to promote once again um, to uh, look not only at the uh, the big cities, the, the cities that you know, like Munich, Hamburg, Berlin, or Cologne or Stuttgart, um, but also look into um, other op um, options uh, because uh, all kinds of study courses you will find uh, um, all over Germany. And um, maybe it's advisable actually to uh, to look into the, the smaller cities because you have a much more familiar um, atmosphere um, and uh, a much smaller community um, which uh, then will uh, take better care of you. And uh, he hearing now from you actually that even the mayor drop by is uh, quite <laughs> a different experience uh, from from when I got uh, started studying in Cologne um, at the University of Cologne. Uh, we didn't have a welcoming ceremony by by the dean nor by uh, the rector and let alone the mayor <laughs> who wouldn't dare to, to, uh, to drop by at the university. Why should he actually? Uh, because there were so many uh, new students pouring in every, uh, every winter semester and it didn't make any sense actually to make a big ceremony about it. And uh, so you just got started. And I was quite fortunate that we had a, a ceremony at the end of my studies. So that was the first ceremony I, I had at the university. But uh, during my study time, actually, I, uh, I enjoyed it um, um, uh, to be at a big university and to have it a little bit more anonymous. I, I didn't really mind. But for those of you who like to have also the feeling of a community and um, um, to have a professor who knows you by your name, uh, then it's definitely advisable actually to go uh, to these uh, smaller cities, uh, smaller universities with, I don't know, uh, I think Offenburg, how, how many students do they have? Maybe around 5,000 or something like this? Yeah, about 5,000 mm. students. Yeah, it's quite a small and small university. That that really um, has a huge effect actually on uh, on um, your um, on your surrounding, um, your fellow students, and uh, also on uh, the professor who knows his students. Uh, this is something that uh, <laughs> you cannot expect when you study at uh, Humboldt University in Berlin, for instance, which is just just huge. And if you uh, choose um, a study course actually that has a lot of students, then um, you will just be a matriculation number and not more. And uh, you cannot expect your professor to to know you personally. And uh, so it really depends actually what, what you what you expect uh, from from your um, study time in, in Germany. Yes, very true. And uh, let's see what else happened during the first few weeks. Um, so another really great thing is that the uh, there's the first semester parties. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'd, I think uh, so normally it's uh, the previous semester was, will actually host a party for the mm -hmm. uh, for the newcomers. Mm -hmm. And this usually takes place within the first month of uh, the new semester. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. And uh, a tradition from my university was that after the previous semesters, after your seniors host a party for you, uh, the month after that, you would have to host a party for them as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so it was, uh, it was really fun. It was really interesting as well. And uh, what you learn uh, as you go along, uh, as you go further along in your studies in Germany is that uh, you can actually sign up to be a helper during these parties. Mm -hmm. And these are one of those university jobs uh, where you can actually make money as well. Oh, okay, okay. So uh, um, you can already um, start uh, um, getting a little bit of a side income um, in, during these activities. Uh, and uh, maybe at this point we can also um, uh, mention uh, that you as a student with your student visa, you are allowed uh, to um, earn money and to work. Uh, could you um, it's explain a little bit what the rules are here? 
Okay, yeah. So uh, as an international student in Germany, you can either work 120 full days per year. So full days considered to be something like a a full-time job uh, where you work eight hours per day. Or you can work 240 half days per year. So half days considered to be uh, like a part-time job. Um, And it's something like, you know, if you work at a restaurant or if you work at the cinema in your city, something like that. Uh, whereas if you work on campus, uh, let's say at the student library or as I just said, uh, for the student party, uh, you can work as many hours, as many days as you want. And there's no limitation to that as well. Mm. Uh, so for myself, when I did my bachelor thesis, it was actually a project uh, under my uh, professor and it was being conducted at the university. Uh, so, you know, when I did my bachelor thesis, I actually got paid by the university to conduct uh, this project for them. Oh, fantastic. Perfect. Um, this is, I'd say, uh, the ideal situation. Um, if you really can earn your money already in uh, your um, in, um, area of uh, of your studies, um, because th- this will then also help you actually to um, further increase your expertise um, uh, while working on a specific uh, project. Uh, that's ideal. And uh, when you study engineering, for instance, in Germany, it's it's quite common um, that you do your internship uh, usually in the fifth or sixth semester and um, uh, you start working on a project and very often uh, the company where you do your um, project when they are um, happy with you and satisfied with your performance will then also later on ask you to to do the bachelor thesis uh, based on the project that that you've already been working on and very often you also get the chance actually to uh, work as a student at the uh, specific company Uh, during your studies so that's called Werkstudent and Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, it's a great opportunity first of all to to um, earn some money but then also to um, uh, to strengthen your network with the industry already during your studies yep very true what kind of jobs did you have as a student in Germany oh as a student that's (laughs) a lot of odd jobs Uh, so (laughs) I worked at the student party I worked for the uh, student union Mm -hmm. or the ASTA as they call it over there Mm -hmm. Um, and then after that one, I also worked at the German post office oh, really? uh, for a while. Okay, yeah. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, interesting. Uh-huh. And the German post office actually paid very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was about four hours uh, every night. Uh, and this was deep in winter, so it was, it was freezing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to sort out all of the mail, carry pretty much all of the huge boxes of German mail and just sort them out correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, what else did I do? And then I also worked part-time at a Thai restaurant. Okay. And uh, actually, yeah, at, at the Thai restaurant, this is actually something very unique. And this is actually how I got my first job in Germany. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the Thai restaurant, uh, it was uh, probably the most authentic Thai food that you could get in the southwest of Germany. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, these businessmen would always come into the into the restaurant and, you know, I'd hear them speaking English. Uh, so eventually, you know, uh, I asked them, where are you guys from? And they said Scotland. And then I talked to them a little bit more. And a few weeks later, uh, they were actually looking for somebody uh, to work in their technical consultation uh, office for uh, foreign countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wrote to them saying, hey, you guys know what? I can speak uh, German. I can speak English. And you know how good my consultation is because <laughs> I advise you on uh, which curries to choose from. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, they called me in for the interview, and the interview wasn't actually an interview. It was more like, okay, we know who you are, we know what your personality is like. Mm. Uh, you also have your bachelor's degree now. Mm. Um, here's the contract. If you want it, the job is pretty much yours. Oh, beautiful! Yes, yeah. yes. And it's one of those ways that shows you know, mm. like there's an opportunity everywhere. You mm-hmm. just have to have your eyes open enough to see it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just, just be open and and also um, grab all opportunities actually to, um, to be as extrovert as possible. Of course, that, that's also a matter of personality, whether you have this personality and um, you do it, I know, and you also like to, to connect with uh, people. Um, and uh, But it's, uh, your story actually indicates how well this uh, can uh, pay off actually in, in your career um, when you're always open and and eager to get to know to learn more people um so that's that's a beautiful story actually you just uh, told us um, and um, maybe you can also um, share a little bit of your experience uh, what it means to uh, connect to your fellow students especially to the germans is it possible actually to make friends uh, german friends actually in <laughs> germany <laughs> okay so this is where it actually gets quite interesting as a malaysian what many malaysians tend to do is they go off to germany and they'll tend to pick the universities 
where most of the other Malaysians are. And then they will build their own small little kampung. And then once you have your kampung in Germany, you're not going to branch out and talk to any other the mm. other students, which is a massively missed opportunity. Mm. Because when that happens, you don't really practice your German anymore and you tend to start to forget the language. Mm. Uh, so then when you do uh, come back home to Malaysia, it's you have your degree, but you've pretty much lost everything else. And mm. that's a huge shame. Mm. So when it comes to making friends with Germans, uh, a lot of people think, oh, yes, you have to you know, you have to go drinking with them or you have to go partying with them and everything. Uh, and the drinking thing, honestly, a lot of Germans now, especially the younger ones, they, they've, they've turned away from alcohol. Mm -hmm. um, they've pretty much, they're pretty much adopting this new healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You can find out that a lot of them are actually vegans or vegetarians mm -hmm. now, or they, they practice, they practice uh, ethical eating. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe, you know, they have meatless Mondays or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it's no longer this thing where they, where you have to go and drink with them or anything like that. And even if you do, uh, there's many non-alcoholic beverages as well. Mm -hmm. And nobody's going to force you to drink. Mm -hmm. uh, at least that's the way it was with my friends. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, sorry. Yes. You wanted to say something? No, no I just wanted oh. to, to share also my, my experience with you actually when, when we've been on a Zoom chat recently with my nephews um, and uh, they're not drinking any alcohol at all. Uh, so one of my nephews is is very obsessed with sports and he's, as you mentioned also, um, has a very healthy life um, style and uh, never touched any alcohol in his entire life. And and the other one is is very moderate and, and not really too interested actually in, in uh, drinking alcohol and even as a student so they are very focused and and um laser focused already actually and also in their in their studies which was absolutely not the case actually when, when i was a student <laughs> we were uh, much more interested actually in developing our personalities during during this time than than rather getting the degree as fast as possible so exploring <laughs> any kind of uh, distractions as much as possible was um uh, very much actually uh, what what kept us occupied during our studies next to the curriculum, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yes. <laughs> studying is number one, Brian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, talking about studying, um, so the best way actually to, to reach out to Germans at the very beginning is uh, to form these study circles. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, what Germans tend to do is uh, they will actually small form small groups, uh, mm -hmm. usually about uh, four to five different students. Mm -hmm. And then they'll find a table to sit down somewhere, sometimes in the cafeteria, sometimes um, uh, near the laboratories, where uh, which is usually empty. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, these four or five people, they'll just start doing uh, pasture examinations. Mm -hmm. And uh, they'll also compare notes with each other and they'll talk about what happened during the class. Uh, so that's actually one very good way to start forming your own little clique. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about... Um, I'm just going to talk about the A-levels here in Malaysia, is that the A-level program here it tends to be a little bit higher compared to uh, what Germans have learned mm -hmm. in their grade 12 mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. their form 6. Yeah. And because of that one, because our mathematics tends to be a little bit stronger, uh, the Germans will actually ask you, how did you get that shortcut? Uh, how did you learn that? What are the tips and tricks mm -hmm. that you learn? Mm -hmm. And you can actually share what you've learned as well. Mm. And uh, by doing so, they, they really appreciate that. And then they'll also invite you to a lot more parties mm -hmm. and a lot more social gatherings. Mm -hmm. And they'll take you around the city a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's how you actually form friends in Germany. And it's uh, to this day, I still have a lot of friends over there. Mm -hmm. And uh, whenever I have the chance, uh, I, I drop by their place. Mm -hmm. And if they're coming down to South, Southeast Asia, they tend to stay at my place as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, I, I think you, you mentioned um, a couple of important things here. And um, I would also like to, to, to highlight that it's very important uh, for, for Malaysians going to Germany. Of course, it's, uh, it's always great actually in the beginning uh, to have uh, fellow Malaysians uh, to help you around a little bit. But don't forget for the trap as you mentioned it's uh, to um, 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 live um, in a shared flat with uh, other Malaysians and then basically build your uh, your Malaysian community um, because that means you will be stuck in your comfort zone the whole time and you uh, are not um, challenging yourself actually to move outside your comfort zone and the effect is uh, and I saw a beautiful rant of uh, Terry Crews uh, uh, recently <laughs> actually about uh, how important 
important it is to move outside your comfort zone. Um, and when I was uh, um, at uh, Universal Applied Sciences in Karlsruhe, I promoted also um, going abroad for your um, internship. And the situation for the German students is uh, there's no need to to go anywhere else. Uh, um, um, even within the region of Karlsruhe, you can find easily an internship with all these renowned companies. Um, but I advise them actually to um, take up the challenge and, and go abroad and try to do the internship um, in, in any other countries actually in, in Europe or even uh, further away um, because uh, moving outside your comfort zone means actually uh, that there, there's a nice uh, analogy. It's like like a muscle. If you don't challenge your, your muscle, it will start to shrink. Only if you move outside your comfort zone uh, continuously, meaning uh, you're, you're developing actually your personality. And uh, if you stay within your comfort zone, the comfort zone will start shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and you become uh, less tolerable of, of discomforts uh, more and more. But if you continuously move outside your comfort zone, it's like a muscle that you continuously um, challenge. It will grow and grow and gives you more freedom in this world to then uh, develop your personality. Yep, very true. Okay, fantastic. Um, yeah, I think that that was that was already we tackled so many so many things uh, which are important. Um, surviving the first couple of weeks and then also how to make uh, friends. Maybe one last advice uh, from from my side. I don't know whether you also did this. Um, if you have maybe some troubles uh, getting to know uh, uh, fellow Germans um, through your studies, there's always the option uh, to look out for an association um, because we Germans we have so many associations. Associations, um, no matter what your interest is, whether it's badminton, whether it's chess, whether it's cycling, um, you will always find uh, um, gazillions of um, associations. And if you um, enter these these clubs and associations um, with the specific interest, you already have a common ground actually to talk about. You're passionate about something, and um, this is a very easy way actually to um, to make new friends. And the good thing about uh, um, uh, making friends in Germany is that um, maybe Germans are a little bit more reluctant in the beginning, but that's because uh, they they are cautious about actually who to connect with, because for Germans uh, making a friend means making a friend for a lifetime. Um, so there's there's a big quality actually in their friendship, and uh, so um, Germans tend to not to give it away too easily. First they get to know you, but once uh, you get to know them and, and start a friendship, then you can be pretty sure you have a friend for a lifetime, a very, very loyal friend. I don't know whether this is also your experience uh, you made in oh, Germany. Yes, that's that's very true. Yeah, yeah. I have my good, I have a good group of about uh, five friends from Germany who I always uh, still keep in touch with, mm -hmm. and yeah. we message each other on Facebook or Instagram and just to see what's going on in their life. Ah, oh, fantastic, beautiful. Yes. <laughs> okay. With this, we come to our segment: fun facts about Germany. True or false? Uh, it's. Would you like to challenge me first? Do you want me to challenge you first? Uh, you may go first, Brian. Go okay, ahead. Okay. So for our <laughs> new listeners, um, we make statements um, that we either fabricated entirely and which are a, a, a complete lie or which are absolutely true. And uh, it's the job of uh, the other one uh, to figure out whether this is true or false, this specific statement. And we have um, prepared three statements for each other. And then we uh, discuss a little bit about this. And um, I have uh, prepared three statements today under one topic, uh, which we, which you'll soon find out what it's all about. So my statement is, um, the motto of Germany is unity, justice and free speech. Is this true or is this false? Let me repeat once again. The motto of Germany is unity, justice and free speech. Oh no, God. Oh, my ex-wife used to tell this to me all the time. Um, <laughs> I think it's false. Why is it false? One of them is wrong. <laughs> one of them is wrong. Which one is wrong? Yes. Uh, you need to just, I think. Uh, think it's. I think it's unity. Unity is false. What would you put in instead of unity? Uh, brotherhood or something. Or brotherhood. Or, you would say brotherhood, yeah. justice, and free speech, yeah? Or is that the French one? Oh, I can't remember. Ah. It's, you're talking about uh, the, the motto of uh, the French Revolution, right? Is it? Is it yeah, I don't today know. or something like that? I can't remember. I don't know. I can't help okay. you. <laughs> but <laughs> but you, you go with uh, false. 
Yes. Uh, okay. Um, you have uh, uh, the, the right uh, here, and uh, it's it's false, but uh, not un unity is correct. Okay, it's unity, okay. justice, and freedom. Not unity, justice, and free speech. So you already ah. you already sense that I'm I'm trying to to uh, fool you somehow. So very uh, very good. And uh, this one is actually the um, the first verse of uh, the third stanza in uh, in our German anthem. So it goes unity and justice and freedom for the German fatherland and so forth. And um, uh, so it was almost correct. It's not limited to free speech, but freedom in, gen in general. So that's the motto of uh, uh, Germany. Uh, unity. The one for France mm -hmm. is uh, liberté, égalité, and fraternité. Uh, very good. Exactly. So, yes. Okay. Now, okay. Uh, now I remember. I know you remember. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I think we need to mention that you've been living close to the French border, uh, to the Alsac, beautiful Alsac region um, in Offenburg, which is uh, located directly next to the Rhine and on the other side there's already France, right? Oh yes, yeah. It's uh, Strasbourg. Strasbourg, so very close by. Actually the uh, the center of the European mm -hmm. Union. I think the mm -hmm. European Parliament yes. is based there. Yes, yeah. exactly. And uh, um, Colmar some of you, uh, of you listeners, you of course you know, uh, call my tropical. Um, <laughs> and uh, if you want to experience the real deal, then uh, this is this is a beautiful city you need to visit. And uh, we've been blown away when we've been there for the first time a couple of years. And it's it's just uh, Strasbourg is fantastic and and uh, Colmar as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, exactly. Yeah, M maybe mm. just uh, two, three uh, more um, comments about the uh, German anthem. So, um, do, do you actually happen to know why uh, we in in Germany only use the third stanza um, since 1949? So there are th three stanzas in in the German anthem, but mm -hmm. um, since 1949 we are only using the third stanza. Do you know? Yes, I think I do. Uh, mm -hmm. I think the first one, uh, the second, first or second one, they were actually used by the Nazi regime. And uh, back then, if I'm not mistaken, it's because the first one used to say uh, Deutschland, Deutschland über alles. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we we need to translate it. Uh, so um, all three stanzas were, were used by the Nazi regime um, in the anthem. Um, but the first uh, one, then after the um, Second World War, after we were defeated, um, um, it was considered actually to be um, not suitable anymore to say Germany, Germany above all, above all. <laughs> in the world because that also uh, i mean in 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 the uh, original uh, text uh, when it was composed by um, uh, von Fallersleben, it was not intended actually to uh, to inspire an imperialistic racist regime um but of course he had different ideas about it but uh, of course the nazi regime they uh, put it in a con connotation that could only be understood afterwards uh, after all the atrocities that the nazi regime has caused to the world that they really read it as uh, we are the superior race and uh, we have the right actually to conquer all uh, the rest. And there's also one another problem with the first stanza that is um, the territorials that are mentioned here are were not up to date <laughs> anymore after 1945 <laughs> because it said, uh, sorry, 1949, uh, because it says from Meuse to the uh, Memel, from the Adige uh, to the Belt. So that's uh, quite uh, um, a bigger reach <laughs> than, yes. than Germany had. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after the Second World War. And uh, the second stance, I don't know uh, whether you can recall the lyrics, it's uh, quite frivolous, I have to say. So it says German woman, German loyalty, German wine and German song. So <laughs> I didn't know that about the second one. <laughs> Shall retain in the world the old beautiful chime and inspire us to noble deeds during all of our life. German woman, German loyalty, German wine and German song. So uh, that also shows actually our uh, love relationship to to the ladies and, and also to the wine and, and to singing and uh, maybe um, in a couple of years it, it may be considered uh, to, to be then uh, sung again. And then uh, the th uh, third stanza says unity and justice and freedom for the German fatherland uh, towards these let us all strive brotherly with heart and hand and so forth. And uh, so this is this is uh, sung uh, until today and uh, since 1949. Mm. Okay. Okay. Good. Very good. Interesting facts, Brian. Yeah, yes. of course. I did my homework. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so my question to you. 
Uh, of course, Germany practices, uh, as we just said, uh, equality and uh, unity and everything and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Germany, there's actually a quota for women uh, working in German companies. And these are specific for companies who are listed on the German stock exchange. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is the quota uh, for women, uh, the the number, yeah, what's the quota for women in German companies listed on the German stock exchange? Mm-hmm. Is it 25%? Is it 30%? Or is it 35%? Mm. Um, whew, tough one. So while I gave you a 50, 50% chance, you were giving me only 33%. <laughs> but fair enough. Um, 25, 30 or 35 yeah? Yes, uh, correct. I go with option B, uh, the third, um, yeah, uh, every third person. I think usually it refers to the board, right? Um, must be a woman. That is correct, yeah, uh, 30%. Lucky guess, I'd say. That was, that was not <laughs> knowledge, that was just... Uh, uh, just lucky guessing. Okay, okay, um, and it's it's not so. Uh, um, this this rule is is hasn't been implemented uh, uh, for for quite a long time. I think only in mm-hmm. the last couple of years it, it has been um, has been implemented, and um, there were long debates about this. But um, I have to say, actually, compared to to Malaysia, where um, um, uh, in in companies and um, also in uh, in high positions, uh, it's quite common actually for for women here to to um, to hold these positions. Um, in in Germany, that's not the case. And in the automotive industry, for instance, in all the boards uh, for of, um, since ever actually, there there were rarely any any women at all. And so this is why why the government decided actually to establish a quota because uh, apparently this um, uh, patriarchal system um, was not very eager actually to get some some female wisdom into their their board <laughs> meetings and uh, but I think it's it's a good thing because uh, um, um, every kind of organization also needs to have uh, a good amount of, of female wisdom fantastic yes, very true <laughs> okay good um Okay, the next one is uh, still referring to the mot- uh, to, to the topic of, of uh, the German anthem. So after the Second World War in 1948, Germany um, couldn't use uh, the uh, the anthem as it was used by by the Nazi regime. So basically, Germany didn't have uh, a national anthem, and what uh, they uh, did was to use a carnival song. Uh, so from from Cologne, uh, from the epicenter of of the carnival, um, and the song uh, is called uh, Tritsonesia. and I will play uh, now actually this, this <laughs> song to you, and um, you can then decide whether it's true that uh, the German anthem, at least for one year before um, the German uh, federal, um, uh, uh, sorry the Federal Republic was established in 1949, until then for one year. Um, it uh, we had a carnival song as our national anthem. I will just play it for you, and mm-hmm. uh, hang on. I just need to also share my uh, sound with you, uh, and then you need to decide whether uh, this is true or false. Just a second and share sound. Here we go. Okay. Let me see whether I have the right spot here. Yeah, I don't want to play this entire song for you, but just a couple of seconds. So my question, (laughs) was that the national anthem actually uh, in the year of 1948 until uh, the Federal Republic of Germany was established? Is that true or is that false? Oh, this one's a tough one. It sounds too cheerful to be German, to be honest. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
So that's God, your explanation. It's, it's too cheerful, yeah. <laughs> it's too cheerful for for post-war Germany. But Sh- shall I give oh, you? Shall I give you the translation for it? Because it's it's unbelievable. So it says, okay. "We are the natives of uh, Tritonesia, Heidi, Chimula, 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 Boom." We have little mates with fairy wild personalities, Heidi Chimmler, 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 boom. And we, in fact, do not eat people, but we kiss so much the better. We are the natives of Tritonesia, Heidi Chimmler, 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 boom. And especially the the third verse, we are in fact we in fact do not eat people, but we kiss so much the better, <laughs> was a very strange uh, um, lyrics after the Second World War and after uh, it was became obvious for for the entire world what kind of atrocities the Germans have caused. <laughs> so what do you think? I, was that okay. the, the, the anthem uh, that was used by the Germans in 1948? True or false? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say true, actually. I think the reason behind that is it's crazy enough to sound true. Plus, I think Germany would eventually revert back to their original anthem. And this one was just too... It was too happy, I think. So I, I'm going to go with true. Okay, fantastic. Yes, it's absolutely true. I, I couldn't really <laughs> believe it in, in my research. And I thought, actually, I, I need to come up uh, with uh, with this one and, and share it with, with you and the rest of the world uh, because I, c- I couldn't hardly believe it. And the reason, actually, why why uh, there was a, um, a carnival song chosen is because um, the uh, the person already uh, getting ready to, to become the first chancellor of Germany, uh, Konrad Adenauer, he used to be the mm-hmm. mayor of, of Cologne. So, uh, And uh, I suppose that's also the connection actually to this uh, specific song that was used maybe to portray themselves in a much happier way than they have been portraying themselves <laughs> during the second world war okay so fantastic yeah, that yeah. makes sense where the cool song. that's interesting yeah, that's very is. interesting yeah <laughs> um okay okay let's see your turn okay so um uh, now german is actually the widest uh no let me see how do I want to phrase this? Well, Germany is the the most spoken language in the EU. So German, the, the German language mm-hmm. is the most widely spoken language in the EU. Mm-hmm. But roughly how many native speakers does Germany have? Mm-hmm. Is it, I'm going to give you a multiple choice again. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> is it a uh, hundred million people? Is it a hundred and thirty million people? Or is it a hundred and fifty million people? who can speak uh, German natively in the EU? Oh, my. Um, I, I thought I knew the number um, uh, because my uh, the information I had stored in my in my brain was 110 million, but apparently you have different numbers. So once again, 100, 130 uh, or 150, yeah? Yes, correct. Okay, okay, that's quite interesting. Yeah, so I thought I already knew the answer, but... Uh, Apparently, I was wrong. So previously, it was uh, because it's not only Germany who speaks German, but it's also Austria mm-hmm. and the, and Switzerland and Luxembourg and Liechtenstein, mm-hmm. and then we also have some minorities in uh, in East uh, um, Eastern Europe um, uh, who also speak uh, um, German as their uh, um, native language. For instance, in in Romania, you have German community in Poland in um, even in Denmark up north in Denmark yes 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 mm-hmm. um so i reckon did the number go up since the last time i i learned this this number or did it go down i reckon that uh, it went it rather went up so i'm going for 130 million yes that's correct Brian. 130 million mm-hmm. uh native german speakers mm-hmm. in the eu of course uh uh, the UK doesn't count in that anymore, but uh, yes, uh, 130 million. Um, and you're right, Germany, um, of course, uh, the German language has all of these different countries in the EU. So that's why it's 130 million. And uh, so these facts I actually got uh, from the German uh, government website. Mm-hmm. So it should be accurate now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Lovely. So um, if you um, distinguished listeners uh, consider to learn uh, the German language, as you can see, it's it's really worthwhile because uh, it's not limited uh, to, to Germany, but also the neighboring uh, countries. And um, especially in Europe, you have a lot of um, uh, people um, who also speak the German language as a second language. For instance, uh, many in, in Poland, uh, in, the, in the neighboring uh, countries of Germany, um, they have an interest to, to also speak the German language. 
language. Um, and uh, Germany um, is in the center of Europe uh, with um, the um, most uh, neighboring countries. We have nine countries um, bordering uh, Germany. And uh, so in these, in these uh, border regions, uh, we have many who speak German as a second language. So it's not wasted actually to learn the German language. Okay, here comes my statement. Um, still um, pivoting around the topic of uh, anthems. Um, the national anthem of the German Dem uh, Democratic Republic. So for those, uh, for the younger listeners of you, um, I suppose you know that uh, Germany has once been uh, divided uh, into two um, uh, parts after the Second World War. Uh, we had the West, uh, Western Germany and the Eastern Germany, and the Eastern Germany was called the German Democratic Republic. Um, so after um, uh, Germany had been divided uh, by the Allied forces, um, uh, the GDR had the same melody um, like Western Germany, uh, which was uh, coming from Josef Haydn, Gott erhalte Franz den Kaiser, which was used for, for the uh, German anthem. Um, but the GDR had different lyrics because uh, they considered actually that the lyrics that had been uh, already uh, used uh, by the Nazi regime to be not uh, suitable for them anymore. So they decided to um, to come up with completely new lyrics, which were more um, according to, to their um, ideology of uh, socialism. Is this true or false? I'm going to go with false. Why? I just don't think it's. Uh, I, I don't think it's accurate. I don't think that's something they would do. Uh, what do you think did the GDR regime do? Uh, they probably chose a different song, a completely different song. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's my assumption. <laughs> fantastic! Very good! Very good! They not only had uh, their own lyrics, but uh, they also had uh, their their own melody uh, to oh. um, indicate actually that uh, they were completely um, separate from from Western Germany, and of course they didn't want to share the the same melody. Um, and uh, their song was called "Auf Erstanden aus Ruinen." So. Um, mm -hmm. um, Yes. Uh, do you want to have a second uh, uh, um, question also um, coming along with uh, with this one? You, you're very hard actually to, to uh, fool today. You're very, 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 very responsive <laughs> and witty. My goodness. Um, let me ask you another question actually in this in this matter. Um, mm -hmm. um, from which anthem is the following stanza? Is it from from the GDR or the Federal Republic of Germany? Um, so we're taking out now some lyrics um, and uh, you need to tell me actually whether it's from uh, Western Germany or from Eastern Germany. And it's just one one part of one of the anthems. So okay. the translation goes, Germany united fatherland. It is necessary to force old adversity and we force it together. I'm going to go with uh, West Germany. West Germany, right? Yes, yes, I have a feeling about that. And the reason why mm -hmm. is that, of course, East Germany was uh, taken control over by the Russians. Mm -hmm. And Russians tend to call their country motherland instead of fatherland. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So that's the reason behind it. Oh, okay, I think. okay, okay, okay. Yeah, interesting. That's that's an interesting uh, uh, line of thought. Um it's um, so you said it's 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 false. Uh, sorry, it's it's uh, Federal Republic West. of Germany, West Germany. Yes. Yeah. Okay. This time I was able actually to fool you, um, <laughs> but I thought you'd go uh, still for for the Federal Republic of Germany because here uh, the lyrics talk about united fatherland and we do it together, and uh, mm. we we know actually that in history um, East Germany was the one actually who was pushing for for separation and we had the wall um, uh, eventually being. Uh, um, set up by the GDR and it sounds strange actually that in their anthem they are talking about a united fatherland and uh, um, and we as a force uh, uh, do it together uh, quite the opposite of what uh, history has been teaching us right okay mm, very true Fantastic. interesting good okay, okay. Huh. Mm. Um, let's see. Uh, I have another question for you. It's uh, this one that has to do more with uh, the arts and culture in Germany. Mm -hmm. So in Germany, uh, of course, uh, 
I think France is probably a little bit more well known for arts because of the whole Mona Lisa and all of that <laughs> stuff. But mm-hmm. even the Mona Lisa doesn't really come from France. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just houses it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for Germany, they also have a number of museums and mm-hmm. um, galleries. So how many museums and galleries are there in Germany? Would you say there is about 7,000 galleries, 8,000 galleries, or 9,000 galleries? Mm, seven, eight, or 9,000 uh, galleries. Yes. And, and which, galleries and museums. And gal- sorry. Galleries yes. and museums. And we're talk- talking about now only the, um, uh, the public uh, galleries and museums or also the private ones. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> it doesn't <okay>. say. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, uh, I know there are a lot of a uh, lot of galleries and museums, and so this time I'm not going for for B. I'm going for the highest number. I I go with uh, nine thousand uh, galleries and museums. Okay. There are actually about uh, 7,200 museums oh, and galleries okay, okay, okay. in mm-hmm. Germany, yes. Yeah. And of course, uh, during this uh, corona pandemic, a lot of the uh, institutions had to close down and they're facing financial difficulties. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, even the German government has set up a, a series of programs to help support them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have uh, there has a corona aid of about 50 billion euros uh, that was made available uh, for these uh, uh, cultural centers. Mm-hmm. And it's... Uh, the program is called the Neustadt Kultur. Mm, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And if, if you would like to find out more about uh, the cultural scene in, in Germany, um, there are two uh, websites um, I, I would like to recommend at this point. Uh, one is uh, the Goethe Institute. Um, we have uh, also one Goethe Institute here in uh, Malaysia in Kuala Lumpur, Tun Razak, at Menara Si Hoi Chan. But on the website, actually, of, of the headquarter in Munich, uh, the Goethe Institute.de, uh, um, there's a huge section for for culture uh, because that's the job of the Goethe Institute to pr- promote um, uh, culture and and also German culture in particular. And um, if you like to know anything about um, artists from Germany, about musicians, um, anything related to culture, uh, the Goethe Institute is the first place actually to go. And um, another great website uh, to find out more about culture in Germany is Deutsche Welle de. And the entire website is also available in, in Germany and uh, sorry in English, and they also have one section that is entirely dedicated um, to uh, to culture, um, allowing you to get the latest um, uh, trends uh, and about culture all over the world, but of course uh, also about cultural trends in in Germany. And um, in my in our newsletter, the, the DAD Information Center Malaysia newsletter, which is uh, going to be um, um, sent out uh, every every first Wednesday of each month. Um, we also have one section about uh, c- current cultural issues uh, and uh, interesting uh, topics that we would like to share. For instance, in, in our latest new- newsletter, it's about the, the Olympics and 10 interesting films about um, the Olympics, uh, not the, the sp- uh, specific ones in Tokyo, but in general about the topic of Olympics. Hmm. Okay, very good. Okay, good. Um, yeah. I think what what's our score? I forgot. <laughs> to keep uh, let's see. Uh, I th- I think we think have a draw, right? <laughs> it's more or less, yeah. I think it's more or less a draw this time around. <laughs> if any of, of your listeners uh, kept track, uh, please uh, send us a message uh, on Instagram or on Facebook and any other of our social media uh, channels and give us feedback what the score was. We we lost track actually along our discussions. Fantastic. <laughs> okay. A lot of interesting things uh, that you brought up today, Ryan. Yes, a lot mm. of new facts. Uh, yeah, interesting. Mm. Good. Okay. So uh, with this, thank you all very much for, for listening. And um, uh, if you like to find out more about us uh, what could any of our new listeners uh, do to um, to find uh, out more about studying research in Germany okay well of course we have our website so that's uh, daad-malaysia.org so you can go over there and also under that website you can also send us uh, find our contact information so our email address is also info at daad-malaysia.org and uh, if you want to make a one-to-one appointment as well that's also on our website so you just need to go onto our website and then go under the contact us section and you can find all of the information there Mm, fantastic Mm -hmm. lovely 
Okay. Um, and next week, um, our topic is going to be uh, how to survive as an Asian. Um, so uh, we maybe look into a little bit, uh, uh, even a little bit more specific, what it means as an Asian uh, or specifically as a Malaysian to um, to go um, uh, to Germany and to study over there. What are the challenges specifically for Asian students studying in Germany? So if you want to um, want to uh, get uh, some details and uh, its experience with this uh, with this topic, then uh, listen to our next uh, um, podcast episode number nine: Pathways to Germany: How to Survive as an Agent. And with this, I yes. would like to we would like to thank you very much for listening. All the best, and hope to hear you soon. Yes, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Take care. Mein lieber Freund, mein lieber Freund, die alten Zeiten sind vorbei. Ob man da lacht, ob man da weint, die Welt geht weiter, eins, zwei, drei. Ein kleines Häuflein Diplomaten macht heute die große Politik. Sie schaffen Zonen, ändern Staaten und was ist hier mit uns im Augenblick? Wir sind die Eingeborenen von Tritzulesien. Heidi Chimela, 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 Bum. Wir haben Mägdelein mit feurig wildem Wesien. Heidi Chimela, 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 Bum. Wir sind zwar keine Menschenfresser, doch wir küssen umso besser. Wir sind die Eingeborenen von Tritzulesien. Heidi Chimela, 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 Bum. Chimela, 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 chimela